Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you, and I lift you up. I thank you for this day before Memorial Day. I pray for those uh, that have family and just pray for comfort. I just ask that we would remember what they've done. Uh, that we remember that they gave our life for this country so that we could praise your name and that we could give you the glory and the honor and that we could uh, just share about your wonder and your grace. Lord, as we go through this sermon, I pray that it would be a, a sermon that honors you and that it, would, that it would move us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would work and that you would be loud and that I would be quiet. I lift up the children as they go downstairs. I pray for the helpers. I just pray that it would be a time where they would uh, just passionately fall in love with you. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The kids can be dismissed. So this week is laziness. And laziness is uh, this term, preferring idleness or sluggish. It's having this unwillingness to work. And work does not just mean our job. I mean, we work a job, but we also work at our relationships, we work at our hobbies, and we work at our faith. We have to guard against laziness. Or every relationship that we have will break down. We have to replace laziness with a passion or an intensity to serve the Lord. Do you passionately serve your employer? Do you passionately serve your spouse, your children, or maybe your friends? Do you passionately serve God? Romans 12, 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. What better animal to compare this to than a sloth? We have to understand that the ESV does not use the word sloth. Right? This is not the Greek word for it. This is, uh, the sloth is in Central America. It's in South America. No, this word in the Greek is okneros. It means what you would think it would mean. Lazy. Idle. Not active. Lagging behind. Which is the complete opposite of zeal. Which means to do one's best. To diligently seek something out. Nothing is getting done fast if you are a sloth. A sloth travels at .15 miles per hour. So if they moved all day long at that pace, which they do not, I promise you, it would be 3.6 miles in a day. To put that in perspective, the average human walks only 4,000 steps a day, which is around 2 miles. Think about it. We are only moving as half as fast as a sloth could. Now the ESV using the word sloth is actually a cut down to the sloth. We are more than capable of moving fast, and yet we still don't do it. We are lazy. And so what does God want from us? He wants us to be fervent in spirit. This word for fervent is, is zeal in, this, in the Greek. It sounds fast. I mean, when you listen to it, it's, it's to have this enthusiasm, this passion, this intensity. That's what God calls us to do. I'm pretty sure that if somebody asked you if you are passionate about Jesus, if you had this enthusiasm that not all of us could say, yeah, 
that's definitely me. Guys, we literally have God working in us. And often we yawn about it. We have more passion for our hobbies, hunting, fishing, sports teams, politics, our, go- our dogs, our TV shows. Where's the passion for Jesus and he, what He wants us to do? When we get caught up in our activities, it causes us to be lazy with Jesus. Now our activities are not wrong, but do we use them for Jesus? We need to use every opportunity to do kingdom work. So what can we do on earth that we cannot do in heaven or when Jesus returns? Proclaim Jesus to somebody who has not heard about Him. Think about it. There will be no more evangelism in heaven. I mean, you walk up to somebody and you're like, hey, do you believe in Jesus? And they're like, dude, He's right over there. Can't you see Him? It will not happen. So why would we want to be lazy with the time that we have on earth? Work is a blessing. Work is so important. And it was around before the fall, and it will be around in its perfect form when Jesus establishes His kingdom. So that means that all you retired people will get to unretire for all of eternity. <laughs> Genesis 2.15 The Lord God took the man and He put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Work is a blessing from God. He gave us work, and yet it feels like so often we're trying to get out of work. I hear people make comments like, just living for the weekend. Just living the dream. It's five o'clock somewhere. The problem is this misunderstanding of who we're working for. We think we're working to make money when in fact we're working to give God glory. Our job is not just an electrician or working at a mine. Our job is to build relationships and share about Jesus. I saw a quote the other day. It says, We do not stop moving because we get old. We we get old because we stop moving. Take one look at Georgia Garland and my point is made. We do not stop working because we get old. We get old because we stop working. Now, I'm not saying that we have to work the same job. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that we have to keep building relationships. We have to keep working in everything that we do. We must be around people. We must never retire from the church. 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Some of us have stopped working five miles from the finish line. Some of us stop working 100 yards from the finish line. Finish the race. Guys, work applies to every aspect of our lives. We are not to be lazy. Now the Bible, it gives us a lot of information on laziness and how it impacts all of our relationships, especially in Proverbs. Now this next part, I know that I'm paraphrasing. It's the Pastor Zach version of the Bible, the PZV, if you will. But listen closely. Proverbs 12:11. Focus on work that matters and you will eat. Focus on work that doesn't matter and that makes you an idiot. Proverbs 13:4. If you do not care about your work, you will hate it, but if you care about your work, you will get to enjoy it. Proverbs 19:15. Laziness breeds laziness and keeps us from eating. <laughs> 
Proverbs 14, 23. Do the work and quit talking about it and you will see the benefits. But the text I really want to look at today and and really want to dive in and discover how we combat this laziness is Proverbs 6, 6 6-11. It says this, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now if we're going to avoid laziness, we have to look at these relationships. We have to be like an ant. We have to take responsibility for our own work. We have to have wisdom in our labor. We have to understand that rest is a gift, not a God. And we have to stay active. And so if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 25, we're going to look at the parable of the talents to help us understand God's plan in our life. Now, I've put some ESV Bibles in the back. They're there. If you don't have one, go grab one. I love hearing the pages turn. And so number one, be like an ant. What can we learn from an ant? Matthew 25, 14 and 15. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went away. You see, there are three different types of ant within each group of ants. And the queen ant is the one who creates the nest. She's the leader. Her job is to produce the male ants, the female worker ants, and even the queen ants that go and start these other colonies. What's crazy about the queen ant is that she can live up to 30 years in a controlled farm. Think about that. The male ant only lives about a week. The female ant, the worker ant, only lives about a year. But the queen ant can live up to 30 years. If you don't think that God has something to do with every life, every creature that He has created, you're not seeing the same world that I am. Anyways, each of them, they know their role. The queen and the males, they reproduce, while the female ants, they they build this nest that provides food. Each of them has this different role. None of them are lazy. In the church, we each have a different role. But none of us are to be lazy. This week, I had a male in my office, and obviously he was a male. He said that my analogy breaks down because the the queen ant just sits there sedentary and she lives for 30 years. But I had to remind him that she's not just sitting there. She's producing offspring. And every woman in this place knows that that is the most difficult job in the world. Her job is to produce offspring. And each ant has a purpose. And they live out their purpose, even if that means to give their life. It's Memorial Day weekend. These men who gave their life for our country. But are we willing to give our life for Jesus? Should we seek? Should we seek out Jesus and do what we are born to do? Even if that means giving up our life on this earth. Guys, I'm pretty sure that none of us were born to watch TV and eat potato chips. 
I'm pretty sure that none of us were born to play video games in our mother's basement. We were created to work. We were created to worship. We were created to be an example to others what it's like to live a life devoted to God and His goodness. We see with the ants that they have this instinct ability to find food. And we're the same. We have this ability to find this food, this life-giving food that the Word of God gives us. It lives in us. We see it. We breathe it. We just can't stop reading it. Do you ever read the Word and just see and have a passion for what it says? It's beautiful. It gives us life and it connects us to Jesus. If the queen ant dies, the entire colony will die. Because they're not connected to this head. She is no longer producing more ants. And I get it, every analogy breaks down because Jesus will never die again. But are we connected to Jesus? Because if we are a church that's not connected to Jesus, then we will die. You see, it does not take work to be saved, but it takes work to grow in our faith. Real love for Jesus produces work in our life. If we can be lazy when it comes to Jesus, then maybe our love for Jesus is lacking. You see, my son, he may be a baseball player, but until he finds a love for the game, he will never be great at it. He will never understand the blessing that baseball is, and he will never understand the gift God can provide through it. And the same holds true with our faith. This queen, she's a leader. But each ant takes responsibility for its work. Your relationship with Jesus is yours. You must take responsibility. Your relationship with God is only as deep as you allow Him to transform it. Your relationship is only as deep as the work you put into it. You see, if I get married, but I never put any time into my marriage, I may be married on paper, but I am not married in principle. And so number two, take responsibility for your own work. Matthew 25, 16 and 17. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. The manager. He entrusted them with talents and they were expected to use them. This queen ant, she starts the colony, but the ants, they are self-motivated to build it up. Every one of us has the Holy Spirit working in us, but we have to allow Him to do the work. We see this servant, the first one, at once he uses his skills. He used the gift the manager had given him to grow I believe not using our gifts is one of the greatest problems in the church today. And I believe it's because we love what Jesus can do for us, not who Jesus is. We may say we love Jesus, but are we still about ourselves? An ant is truly working for the team. Did you know that an ant has two stomachs? One stomach for itself and one stomach so it can share with others, so they can be more productive in their work. If we are self-motivated, not only are we feeding ourselves, but we're also feeding others. 
And on the other side, are you being held accountable? Do you have an accountability partner, somebody who's helping you live out this life for Jesus? Because if we don't, we'll fall back into this laziness. We need to be motivated to grow our faith. I've been lifting with a Latvian guy named Walt. It's pretty cool. I don't know how it happened. God just set it up. But we've been lifting on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, and we've been swimming on Wednesdays. And I can tell you, when I wake up in the morning and I don't want to get out of bed, there is a lot of motivation knowing that a Latvian man named Walt is waiting for me. Do we have that person in our faith? Somebody who holds us accountable. Maybe it's a Bible study. And some of you are doing this. I don't want to just act like nobody's doing it, but some of us aren't. Are we in a Bible study? Are we in men's breakfast? Are we in a small group? Do we make it a habit to come to church so we can be around God's people? What happens if we don't? I mean, just like I would start to regress if I stopped lifting my faith, it starts to regress when I'm not focused on who Jesus is and I'm not surrounded by people who will hold me accountable. You see, I wish, just like you, that when I got to know Jesus, poof, I would know everything. But that's not what happens. And if we really think about it, is that really what we want? I mean, maybe, just maybe, the process is, is what I should be enjoying. I feel like every time we're trying to get to the next step instead of enjoying God. I've been reading Psalm 23 a lot. With all the stuff that's been going on with my dad. And I've just been fighting this, going through the valley. And as I started reading Psalm 23, I came up with four things that I see this world. And if you're in the world, the first thing that I see is everybody's trying to get around the valley. Nobody wants to go straight through it. And we all know if you don't go through it, eventually it's going to come back to bite you. And then there's this other layer where people are always blaming everybody else for their valley. If we're continually blaming everybody else, we will never get to experience what it's like to trust in God as we walk through it because that's the next one. Those of us that have come to this saving grace At the very least, we can look forward to this mountain at the end. When the valley's over, we can see this blessing that is to come. But I believe as mature believers, we can see Jesus in the valley. We can see that He's walking with us, that He's talking with us, that He's right there, that He's comforting us as we walk through this valley. And any time we can be in the presence of Jesus, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. But we need to be focused. Often we are working and we are staying busy, but we are not focused on what God wants us to do. So that's number three. We have to have wisdom in our labor. Matthew 25, 18. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. That person worked his butt off digging a hole. I mean, it's easy sometimes to put our money in other places, but digging a hole, man, that can be tough. I can tell you this, when you're out in the field, nobody wants to be the one that has to dig the hole. Yet his work was for nothing. His work had no meaning. I pray that that's not us. That our work doesn't have purpose, that it doesn't have meaning. I read a quote the other day. 
Wisdom is seen not in simply in activity, but in the foresight of labor. Basically, work smarter, not harder. Focus on the things that God wants us to do, not on everything that is around you. Many of us have heard of the four-quadrant approach. I'm going to apply it to ministry right now. Quadrant one is urgent and important. These are the things that we should be doing However, it seems like we put this relationship with Jesus, we put it reading our Bible, prayer, we put fellowship in a different category, and we replace it with watching TV or, or Facebook or something to that nature. Our job belongs in this category, but only if we have a right perspective in it. You see, there is no secular job. Every one of us is working for Jesus. You see, I may get paid to be good. You guys are good for nothing. Oh, I stole that one, yeah. Uh. But all joking aside, right? Think how awesome it is that you share the gospel for no monetary reward. You share the gospel because you love Jesus, because you have a passion for Jesus. That's awesome. And so let's look at quadrant two, right? Not urgent, yet important. These are the things that we need to schedule. These are ministry opportunities, giving opportunities, small group, men's breakfast, discipleship opportunities. If you're not scheduling God's work, then it will not get done. Guys, we schedule everything. Why would we not schedule the work that we do for Jesus? Every month, I put in my budget this blessing others. And I look for opportunities that I can give money to somebody else so that I can share the gospel with them. God always provides an opportunity. And then we have quadrant three, urgent but not important. These are things that we need to delegate. These are things that we need to not spend as much time on. I, for instance, need to spend more time training up you guys. Studying the Word so that I can can give you this passion that Jesus has given me and hopefully inspire you to go out and love others with that. You see, there are 250 of you and there is one of me. You guys can reach way more people than I could ever reach on my own. So let's do it. Now that doesn't mean that I can't evangelize. But you guys can reach so many people. And then there's quadrant four. Not urgent and not important. These are the things that we need to get rid of in our life. And if we get rid of them, it frees us up to do more for Jesus. And so I challenge you this week, write down a list of the things in your life that you need to get rid of so you can spend more time with Jesus. More time with this passion for Jesus. So I've been talking a lot about work. But we have to understand that rest is urgent and important. Number four, understand rest is a gift, not a God. Rest is what allows us to work. Matthew 25, 20 and 21. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
We rest so we can work. We are lazy to get away from work. Laziness takes us away from joy. Rest allows us to have joy in the Master. Rest is a gift from God. You see, God, He works and then He does something very important. He rests after it. And not because He has to, because He wants to set an example to us. Genesis 2, 1-3. through Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all the work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. So what we should see from this is that God is work. And God doesn't need rest, but we do. And He knows that. And so He gives us this rest as a blessing. You see, if we never work, then we're just lazy. So often we look forward to the next step in life. I go to grade school and I'm always looking forward to going to middle school. I go to middle school and I'm always looking forward to going to high school. I go to high school and I'm looking forward to going to college. I go to college and all I want to do is get a job. I want to get a job so I can get a wife. I want to get a wife so I can get kids. When does it end? Can we not enjoy each step in our life? God has given us a blessing. He has given us work. And He has given us rest. Enjoy it. Savor it. You see, we need to earn our rest in everything we do. And by earning a rest, I'm not saying run ragged, right? And, and, and calling it work. No, I'm saying step by step. Focusing on God and what His will is in your life. Allowing Him to use rest to energize us for the work that He has for us. Rest will make us more effective so that we can actively do God's will. So that's number five. We need to stay active. What happens if you are not active? What happens if you hide away the gifts that He has given us? Well, let's look at the third servant. This servant who hid away this gift and buried it. He did not use it. He wasted it. He gave it back to God. He said, here, take this back. And so how does God respond? Matthew 25, 26, But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. Seems harsh. He goes on, You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I scatter no seed. Basically, this servant makes excuses. This servant did not know God. And you can see it by the fact that he doesn't have a right understanding of who God is. He only sees God as a, as a hard man. Verse 24. He doesn't see him as gentle and comforting like the other two servants. That's the difference. When we know God, he's like a father who loves us, adores us, comforts us, and protects us. When we do not know God in this way, He seems hard, judgmental, somebody we should fear, destructive. This parable is more than just hiding away money. It's not accepting God's gift, which is His Son, this relationship with Him. To be separated from God is to be in the presence of wickedness. We often have this false understanding of what the world around us is. We think darkness is something when in fact it's just the absence of light. 
We think cold is something when in fact it's just the absence of heat. We think evil is the opposite of good when in fact evil is just the absence of good. Evil is the absence of God. Evil is not the opposite of good, which means that God did not make evil. Therefore, separation from God is wicked and to not be fervent with what He has given us is lazy. God should drive action in our life. If we can remain lazy after we have received this gift, then maybe we do not understand the gift that He is trying to give us. If we are not actively pursuing God, we will not see the blessings that God provides. At youth group on Wednesday, I saw something in James that I'd never seen before. James 1.25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The perfect law is Jesus who sets us free. He liberates us from bondage. It is this continual liberation. He wakes each of us up. And each day when we wake up, we get to choose bondage or we can choose liberty. We get to choose work and to grow closer to Jesus or we can choose to be lazy and grow apart from Him. You see, our actions and our work does not save us. But our actions and our work bring about these blessings in our life. Do we hear the word? Do we, do we read the Bible? Do we respond? Do we act? Because the blessing is in the actions. Can we really know God's blessing unless we are actively seeking God? And I will make this clear. I'm not saying that we're not saved. What I'm saying is that we don't get to experience the blessings that God wants to bestow upon us. And so as we close, how do we be like an ant? How do we take responsibility for the work that God has given us? How does God's will become our will? And how do we work on all these relationships that He has given us? Especially the one with Him. How do we understand rest and use it to work and not get out of work? How do we stay active for Jesus and not bury away His gifts? We allow it to transform us. We allow Him to transform us. We seek out His mercy and His grace. We trust in His provision. We refuse to fall back into the habits of the flesh. We make war against our old self and we trust in Jesus. We lean into this new identity. This identity we have because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so I challenge us, do not be lazy. Fervently hold on to what is real. Serve the Lord. And be part of His army. And not our own. Let's pray. Father, I love you and thank you. Lord, I lift you up. And I just pray this day that we would learn to not be lazy. But to be focused on you. To have zeal and to be fervent. As we, as we look towards you. As we allow you to transform us. As we allow you to make us new as you walk with us, as we fight this battle, this war. 
But Lord, I just pray for these people in this room. I pray that you would just give them a passion for you. A passion to love your son. And a passion for that love to flow out of us to this community that is hurting. This community that is lost and needs to understand what it's like to have a relationship with your son. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.